Our study today is entitled Growing Together. Growing Together. And we're going to be looking into the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 13. If you didn't bring your Bibles with you, that's okay. We have uh, blue books in the pew right in front of you. And you could turn in there to Matthew chapter 13. And we're going to be following on with some of the parables that Jesus used as he taught. Last week we had studied about the, um, the seed and the soils. Remember the parable of the sower. And um, we also discussed why Jesus started to teach in parables in the first place. So this was already some time into his ministry and Jesus had been speaking very boldly from scripture. But there were some people that still refused to accept what Jesus was teaching. Um, but these Jews, they had learned the scriptures for time and time. You know, it's like for generation after generation, um, they were taught these scriptures. But for some reason, they couldn't understand what Jesus was talking about or they refused to believe anything Jesus had to say about the kingdom of heaven. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He said, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. Now, Jesus wanted to teach in parables because there were some people that hardened their hearts to him already. They had heard the word already and they still chose not to believe. So speaking in parables, a parable is simply a story, okay? A story that's used to express a, um, a universal truth, okay? So here Jesus is trying to express these truths, but only believers would have the ears to hear, spiritual ears to hear what Jesus was talking about and understand it. Those with the hardened hearts would hear the parable and it's just another story. And they can't understand the secrets to God's kingdom that have been hidden away since creation. So Jesus goes on here and he continues telling another parable after, um, continues telling another parable after he told the one about the sower. And this parable is called the parable of the wheat and the tares. Tares, T-A-R-E-S. Or the wheat and the weeds. Okay. How many of you like weeds? Not weed, weeds. <laughs> oh. <laughs> all right, all right. We're in Canada, so you know we're allowed to talk about that loosely. <laughs> so we're talking about weeds, like in the garden, you know, the, like the stuff you didn't plant that you don't want growing. Okay, just to be clear. <laughs> Get it out of your system, guys. Okay, here we go. <laughs> All right, so you got your Bibles in front of you. You could also read along the parable in your handout. Um, and I'll be asking Faye here to just read the, the short parable, Matthew 13, verses 24 to 30. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, 
Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Such a simple story, okay? This was an agricultural society that they were living in at the time. Um, that's why Jesus started with these two parables, the one with the sower and the seeds, and he was talking to a bunch of farmers. Like, everybody's land, they grew their own stuff, man. You know, they, they didn't have Dominion or Food Basics or Walmart to do their grocery shopping. No, they grew their own stuff, right? So it might be a little far removed from us to actually understand what's going on here, but imagine the depth and the gravity of what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about their livelihood, okay? It's an agricultural society. The farmer goes out and he plants good seed in his good soil. He has worked that ground so that he could have a crop. But then it said, while everyone was sleeping, what happened? An enemy comes along and sows what? Weeds. Okay? He sows weeds. Now, what kind of weed was this? This is probably what they call darno. Okay? Darno is a sort of weed that when it grows up, it looks identical to wheat. Okay? They grow together and they look absolutely the same. There's no way of telling them apart. Until the wheat finally comes to its fullness, to its full maturity, and you see the head of the wheat pop out. That's the only way you could tell the difference what the wheat is and what the weeds are, okay? So you let them grow together. Imagine if you go out there and the farmer spends all his day trying to weed through his wheat. He'd go crazy, you know? Are you a weed? Are you, are you wheat? Are you weed? You know, it's like, what is it? And you stop and think about it, I'm like, this is a guy's livelihood. This is not cool, you know? And all his workers, because they're the workers, imagine if the owner says, go, go and pick out all the weeds. And they're like, yeah, we could do that. We could pick out the weeds. And the owner says, no, no, let them grow together. Let them grow together. Now, Jesus tells this parable, and of course, he uses a lot of things to... Um, signify something else, okay? So without looking at the explanation that we have here, what do you think is the good seed? And what do you think the field is? And what do you think the weeds are? And who is this enemy? And who is the farmer in the first place? Now, a lot of the time, I've heard too many sermons. I have too many. <laughs> Too many sermons when they talk about this parable. And I've heard different ideas coming up. And oftentimes I hear some sort of misinterpretation of what this passage is really talking about. They use this story and try to say that this is the current condition of the world, of the church, I'm sorry. They say this is the current condition of the church. Okay, The field is the church, they say. They say that the field is the church, and in the church there are some good and there are some evil, okay? And, and they think that, oh, in the church we need to um, grow together with the sinners in the church and, you know, 
but that goes against Jesus' teachings later in Matthew 18, where he talks about you don't grow alongside with the unrepentant sinner. Okay, um, sure, in the church, people still make mistakes. We all fall. You know, we look almost identical to the evil ones, right? But while this may be true in the church, I don't believe this is what Jesus is talking about in this parable. Why don't I believe that? Because Jesus himself very plainly said, the field is the world. The field is the world. So you say, wait, hold on. So I used to live a bad life. Now I decided to be good. I decided to accept Jesus, and now I'm a Christian. Yeah, you're, still a, you're a Christian, but you still look like everybody else. When somebody looks at you, could they see that you're a Christ follower? You know, we look identical to the next person that's walking down the street. Okay. If all we're looking is the outward appearance of things, thank God that God doesn't look at the outward appearance. He looks at our heart. See, God himself, he knows who his people are. God knows who, his, who belong to him, all right, because their hearts have already been given to God. Their hearts have been given to God already. So you stop and think about that. If the field is the world, what's the good seed? What's the bad seed? So God planted the good seed. These are those that have good hearts, those that, that, that belong to him, that are going to be harvested one day and it's for good use. See, darnel, it's a weed that can't be eaten. It's not good for human consumption. The wheat is good. It nourishes. Okay? Some other characteristics about the difference between the, weed and the, the wheat and the weed. I have a picture here. You see, the wheat, when it ripens, it's a lighter color. And the darnel, it has dark, poisonous seeds. It's toxic. Okay? It will kill you and not sustain you. It's interesting that Jesus, one of his famous words is when he declared, I am the bread of life. And the bread comes from this wheat. And the wheat nourishes and, and is good for consumption. And he talks about um, the word that became flesh. Jesus is the word that became flesh. And we talk about God's scripture as the word. And we talk about feeding on the word daily so that we can have life have true life and know it, okay? So that's a healthy meal versus a deadly meal, okay? Look, another interesting characteristic of the wheat. When it comes to its full maturity, the head bows. I love that. It's just such a simple thing, but when it comes to its full maturity, it bows. The darnel, on the other hand, stands straight up, okay? It doesn't bend. All right? The person who comes to know God and learns to love him and matures in their life, you better believe that person is a lot like the wheat. That person will bow before the one that planted them, the one that created them, the one that's taken care of them. Okay? A true Christian is a worshiper. kind of sucks though, doesn't it? When you stop and look at this, you start to wonder, so am I a wheat or am I a tear? You might not even ask, am I a wheat or am I a tear? You're probably wondering, I could think of the people who are the tares. 
And I know those people, you know, they, they look like wheat, but I won't give them too much credit because they could be tares. And it's like we don't want to see the good. We're always looking out for the bad things in life. We always want to point out what the faults are. We always focus on the wrong thing. Even in media, have you noticed the news? All their coverage, everybody is engrossed with whatever's negative, whatever's going bad and wrong in the world, right? And then you get one little snippet of, a fireman helped a cat out of a tree today. One good deed. It's overlooked. The world doesn't care about the good deeds. But when we see it, something in our heart recognizes that's different. You know, I guess here in Canada, uh, we're, we're pretty polite, right? And maybe it's harder to tell the weed from the wheat here in Canada because we all look identical in that if you're walking and you know there's someone behind you and you walk through a door, what do you do? You hold the door open. If somebody else is ahead of you and, and they hold the door open for you, what do you say? Thank you. And then the person holding the door open, what do they say? No, thank you. <laughs> you know? um, if you're the person that's walking and um, you're, you're in a bit of a hurry and you see a mother holding her newborn child, Okay, and you're in a hurry and you bump into them. <clears throat> what does a mother with a newborn child say? Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, right? We're so polite, we're so nice. It's hard to tell who's good and who's bad, right? Um, but in other parts of the world, you see somebody act rudely and you say, wow, that guy, what a horrible person. They must be evil. Meanwhile, we don't realize the the weeds that are taking root in our own heart, in our own attitude. We're starting to judge other people. The point of this parable that Jesus is talking about, he's not trying to say, look out for the weeds, okay? It should draw our attention to ourselves. Am I a wheat? Am I a tear? Do I even know? You could be sure that after Jesus told this parable, he was talking to the crowd at this point when he told this parable. And it wasn't until a little later that he went into a house and he was talking with his disciples. And his disciples started to ask him, Jesus, what did you mean by that parable? Explain it to us. We, we don't fully get it. So we continue on and we read in Matthew chapter 13, verse 36 to 43, the explanation Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out his kingdom, out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. So there you have it. There's the explanation of this parable. 
All right, so who is the sower of good seed? The son of man. Who is the son of man? Jesus, okay? Jesus is the one that plants the seeds. Who's the seed? The kingdom people. And where are these kingdom people planted? In the field. What's the field? In the world. So it makes sense. Okay, God plants seeds, the kingdom people in the world, okay? And while we're dwelling in the world, what happens? Along comes an enemy. Who's the enemy that's sowing weeds? The devil, God's enemy, okay? He comes in and he wants to destroy God's livelihood. God is all about his glory. He's all about everything that's good, everything that's perfect. And here along comes the enemy that just wants to destroy everything that God is all about. God is about goodness and kindness and love and sharing and taking care of each other. He's all about accountability. He's all about uprightness. He's a good God. He's fair. He's just. This is who God is. And the enemy comes along and wants to destroy everything that God is and his character. He doesn't want any of the, the wheat to grow to its fullness. He doesn't want the wheat to ever bow down in humility before their maker. He wants all those that are planted in there to be like Darnell, that stand up straight with pride and arrogance before their maker. Interesting. What are the weeds? People of the evil one. Now let's talk about this. You're like, well, I don't want to be a weed, but I don't think I'm quite the wheat. What am I? And you struggle with it. I don't want to be a weed, but I know I'm not quite the wheat yet. Are the weeds evil people? Or are they just people? Are the weeds evil people or are they merely people? They're people. How about the wheat? Are the wheat such perfect people or are they just people? They're just people. So you got the wheat and the weeds. And the owner says, hold on. They're all together there in the, in the field. You got all these people out there in the world, and they're all people. And God sees them. And God looks at the world, and he says, let them grow together. It's not for them to judge one another. They won't know if they're actually the wheat or the weeds in the eyes of anybody else. That's only for God to know. All right? It's not for us to try and determine, oh, you're a bad person, you're a good person, you know, stay away from me, blah, blah, blah. No, we need to grow together. Okay? And this is what Jesus is talking about here. The kingdom of heaven is like this. Everyone's going to grow together, but there will come a time of judgment. Nobody likes that word judgment. Right? Who likes to hear the word judgment? No? Who here judges regularly? Okay. You don't like being called out on what you do. Okay. So it says here, God has a field defined here as the entire world. There's a divine meaning and purpose being worked out here. 
And God is guiding history and mankind to an end that will fulfill his purpose because his purposes are always done. Now, because the tares and the wheat look alike, it's virtually impossible to determine by sight which is which. That's why God tells his servants to let them grow both, to let them both grow to harvest when the difference will become apparent. Of course, the Lord knows who are his. It also says that um, the sheep know his voice, right? If you belong to Jesus, if you belong to God, you know the shepherd's voice, okay? And if you don't know yet, that's okay. He hasn't given up on you. He's saying, grow together the wheat and the tares because there's no telling. If you've ever tried to share God's word with anybody and it seems to fall on deaf ears, it's not your responsibility to make sure that they're convinced of what you've come to believe. Your responsibility is simply to share the word, sow the seed, and God guides that seed and lets it grow, okay? Now, right now, don't be concerned, am I Darnell or am I wheat? Okay? Just know there's a word of God that's been spoken into your life. And if it hasn't been spoken into your life before, guess what? I'm speaking it into your life today, okay? There is a word of God that's being planted in your heart today, okay? And God's the one that watches it grow. And he's the only one that knows whether you're going to be harvested at, at harvest time, if you're going to be picked up and put into bundles and thrown in the fire, or if you're going to be picked up and brought into the barn, Okay? We don't need to worry about anything, okay? It sounds like such a trite thing to say. We don't need to worry about anything. But this is what God wants for us. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray. So when we pray, who are we praying to? We're praying to God. We're praying to the farmer, right? We're bowing already. So even if we haven't come to our full spiritual maturity, guess what? The attitude inside us is one of humility, bowing before our God, praying to him and trusting him, knowing that we belong to him, you see? I mean, that's how it starts. Other people might not see God in you yet. That's okay, you know? Why? We all look alike anyway. We're all just people. So why should we start judging one another? condemning each other, giving up on each other. No. God says we need to grow together. Okay. Let's look here at Romans 12, verse 2. This is a very popular verse, but we're going to be reading a different translation today, the New Living Translation. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know what God's will for you. Sorry. Then you will learn to know what God's will for you is for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. All right. Don't be conformed to the ways of this world. All right. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay. And I, I like the way that it's how it's said here. Don't copy the way that the world does things, okay? So God plants good seed in the world, right? 
The ways of the world are the things that are contrary to God. Why? Because an enemy has come in and planted evil amongst us. Okay? So the people are not evil, but they are enduring the evil. Right? Good or bad, right? righteous or unrighteous, we all have to endure this evil. So although we are in the world, we are not to be of the world. So we don't conform to the ways of the evil in the world. Okay? Let's continue to the next passage in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. <laughs> Remember, we've studied this a few times before, right? Like, all sin falls into any of these categories. All, these are the things that pull us away from God. Okay, they tug at our heart. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. These are the things that make us behave more like Darnell instead of growing as wheat. Okay, there's a pride and an arrogance that feeds only ourself and our selfish motives and desires. It's all there. There's no humility in that. Okay, the enemy was like this too. Okay, he saw that he wanted what God had. He wanted to be part of who God is. He wanted to be a ruler over everybody. And God said, no, you are simply a created being. I am God. You cannot be here. And he said, yeah, right. I'm going to get what I want. Do you know anybody like that? I'm going to be stubborn. I'm going to push and push until I get what I want. I deserve it. And they act entitled. And they'll stop at nothing to feed their selfish, fleshly desire. Okay? These things come not from the Father, but they come from the world. Okay, let's look at John chapter 3, verse 17. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This is why I love scripture, because it starts to give hope again. You know what the passage is before this one in the Bible, John 3, 16? Yeah, we just sang it, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes will not perish, but shall have everlasting life. But God didn't send his son into the world to condemn it. He came to save the world through him. You can't make yourself wheat. You can't make yourself weeds. You are simply a person. Okay. And the good news is, friends, that we are not condemned to die in a fiery hell, okay? In this parable, at the very end, it says, let them grow together, and when the harvest time comes, <clears throat> when the harvest time comes, you bind up all the darnel, all the weeds, all the tares, and you throw them into the fire, and then the rest of the wheat is collected and brought into his barn. The good news is, Jesus came so that there's not too much that's going to be thrown into the fiery hell. He wants to save all that's growing together. But of course, not everybody will accept him. Not everybody will allow the farmer to save them.
you always wonder, why do I have to put up with all this crap? I accepted Jesus. I'm a Christian. I feel like I'm a, God's done good work in me. Why do I have to deal with all these horrible people in my life? And we pray to God and we ask him, God, please just take these horrible people away from me. I don't like them, you know. Get them away. Why do I have to put up with this? Well, God said, let them grow together. We need those horrible people in our life, hey? Or let me put it another way. There are some good people in the world that need you. Hey. True? Mm -hmm. Come on, just think about it. You on your ugliest day. Like Darnell. I feel sorry for anybody whose name is Darnell. Darnell. God loves him too. It's okay. If you turn your Bibles to John 17, John 17, verses 11 to 19. There's something here uh, where Jesus is talking. He's praying to Father God. And um, it's here where he starts to pray for his disciples. In John chapter 17. And as he's praying for his disciples, we start to see more of what, what is on God's heart. And we start to see a little bit more about his plan with Father God. And um, I, I love this passage here. Verse 11, Jesus says, I am no longer in the world. Okay, see, in his mind, he's already done everything. He's on course with God for their plan in life, okay, um, for salvation. He said, I am no longer in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are. While I was with them, I was keeping them in your name, which you have given me. And I guarded them, and not one of them perished, but the son of perdition, so that the scripture would be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For their sakes, I sanctify myself that they themselves may also be sanctified in truth. Remember, the wheat is good. It's useful. The darnel is not useful. Okay? And when Jesus is saying, sanctify them in truth, he's saying, let your seed, your word, be planted in their heart so that they can be made good and useful. Let them become wheat. And I love this prayer. For so many different reasons. 
so that we could be one as Jesus and his Father are one, so that we could be sanctified, we could be kept safe from the evil one. You see that? In his name, the name that's been given to Christ. So we say, in Jesus' name. See, if you're a believer, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, remember, you are no longer under the law. You are now in Jesus. Okay? And it's in Jesus that you are kept safe from the enemy. So although we're still here in the world and we have to endure a lot of crap, okay? we grow together, the wheat and the, and the tares. We grow together, and God is still keeping you safe. He's keeping you from the evil one. Nobody could harm you. They could try and scare you. They could try and mess up your life. Okay? You don't have to do anything but trust God. Sounds weak, doesn't it? What? I just have to trust God? Yes, you trust God. You mean I don't have to do anything else? Nope, you trust God. And if God says you got to do this, then you obey. See, it's trust and obey. It's not just trust God and then do whatever, the, whatever you want to do. It's not like that. No, you trust God and he's going to lead you and guide you and keep you safe. As we are in the world together. See, the modern world doesn't like to hear a word like judgment because judgment implies that there are standards, laws, and absolutes both morally and ethically. But God says there is a coming time of judgment that will deal with lawlessness and unrighteousness. The key is that it is God's judgment, not man's. Amen? <laughs> it's God's judgment. That is a wonderful and comforting truth because God judges in perfect righteousness and in his time. You know, if you don't trust God... Oh, how, how could I say this? It's difficult to trust God until you've actually seen him work. Is that true? It's like you're always skeptical. You're not really sure if you could trust God until you've actually seen him work. Um, I don't know about you, but God talks to me in weird ways, you know, like in, through experiences in my day. And... Um, when I was such a workaholic, but I wanted to get really serious about God, it's like I was rushing through the motions with God so I could get on with my work, right? And there was something that told me, listen, this isn't what I want for you, Tim. I don't want you running around busy all the time, never having time to just enjoy being with me. So I took more time in the morning with God before I got in my car. And I remember I'd be like, there's not enough time, man. I, I spent time with God, and now I'm going to be late for work. I, I live about, what, 17 minutes away from work. In the morning traffic, it could take you 40 minutes to get to work. So in that morning traffic, I gave my time to God, and I honored him. And I'm like, hey, God, you know what? I'm going to be late, but you know what? I enjoyed spending time with you today. The weirdest thing happens. I get in my car, and I start driving. And it seems, where are all the other cars on the road? It's like there's a clear path for me. I could see them, but I'm not getting stuck in traffic. And they're there, but I'm still moving. And then I'm like, okay, God, oh, there's a yellow light. And for some reason, it stays yellow just a little bit longer. I'm like, here I go. I'm going through. This is cool. And then I get a little further down. And when you get down to Dufferin, ooh, it's the 
busiest street in the morning. It's the worst. And you get down to Dufferin, and it is like I felt like I was Moses walking through the parted Red Seas because I'm like, what's going on here? I fly down. I'm not speeding, mind you. I'm listening to my Christian music. I'm not even watching the clock anymore because I'm like, wow, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. I even had time to get into the parking garage, walk through the building, get up the elevator, get into the office, take off my coat, start a cup of coffee, and I'm still early? Impossible. That was the first time that I got excited, and I'm like, okay, God, you know what? Let's do this again, <laughs> all right? So I tested him for about a week. I'm like, Lord, please, I want to honor you with my time. I love you so much, you know? And he makes these things happen, and I came to a... I came to a truth, a realization, and I share this with anybody that I see rushing, okay? Anybody that's ever said, I don't have time for God, what do I tell you guys? Honor God with your time, and he honors you back. It's a crazy, seemingly impossible thing, but God can do it, okay? Um, it, It seems like it cuts through the laws of time and space, And you know what? With God, he doesn't operate in our time and space. He operates in his time. And if we could trust in his time, anything is possible. If we could trust in his goodness and his righteousness, everything he does is right. You can't go wrong. You might get in trouble here on earth because you have a worldly boss or something. You know, but you know what? It's still right to honor God first before you try to honor your job. It's still right to honor God first instead of trying to honor your spouse first, okay? You honor God first above all things, okay? And he will work things out in your life. Does that mean you won't go through hard times? No. We are in the world, but we're not of it. We're in the world, and in the world, trouble will come. Remember what he prayed about his disciples? Because of the word that's been put in them, the world hates them. All right? So you might struggle here on earth. That's okay. Trust God. If God hasn't shown you yet, you know what? God doesn't have to prove anything to you. But he does want to reveal himself to you. So you pray that you have eyes to see him. You pray that you have ears to hear his word. You pray that you have a heart that isn't so full of pride and stubbornness and arrogance. And you pray and you ask God, please, Lord, Here I am. Have your way in me. We need to take God and his working very seriously. Do you want to be a weed? You know, just someone that impersonates the real thing? The world is full of good intentions, but short of those who carry through to show themselves as the real thing. In this case, the real thing is a genuine Christian planted by God in his field. Now, I don't know your situation. I don't know what you're dealing with today. Only you know. Is your faith genuine? I'm not saying that your faith has to be like the strongest thing in the world, but faith as small as a mustard seed is all that's needed as long as it's genuine. Is your faith genuine? We say that we follow Jesus and we want to do all the good things. 
but we fall short on obeying as God leads us. So we go to church, we sing the songs, we, we dress the part. We even try to curse less, you know? We try to look more Christian on the outside. But God's not looking at your outward behavior. He's looking into your heart. So the question we need to ask today, not am I a weed, am I a, am I good wheat? You got to ask yourself, do I have an unrepentant heart? What is unrepentant? It means uh, selfish, turned away from God. Okay? Unrepentant, one that doesn't admit your fault and your wrongness. One that's just too hard. It's a darkened heart. One that prefers evil over good. Do I have an unrepentant heart? If that's you today and you're struggling with your unrepentance, if that's you today and you're struggling with unbelief, whatever it is, friends, God wants to save you too. God wants to bring you into his kingdom. God doesn't want to leave you where you are. He sees how you struggle and he wants you to trust him. He sees how you're hurting and he wants to heal you. He sees that you feel full of despair, like there's not a chance for you. With God, all things are possible. It's not our role to figure out who are weeds and who are wheat. Let God do that. Perhaps the reason this parable is here is to sound a warning to all of us who profess Christianity to examine ourselves and make sure we are in the true faith following the teaching of Christ. I don't know how God's going to speak to you through this parable today. I know how he's spoken to me, and that's cool. But I don't want anyone leaving here being like, well, what was that about? Remember, the disciples didn't leave it there. They didn't stop at, okay, Jesus told the story, let's go have lunch. They followed Jesus into the house and they pursued and they asked, Jesus, what did you mean by that? They wanted to keep on learning. Disciples are learners. They're followers. They're students. Okay, as a follower, as a believer in Jesus Christ, friends, we need to continue to learn, to sit at our master's feet, to ask him to explain the hidden things of his kingdom. Because after all, friends, that kingdom, that's our home. Let's all stand.